This episode was recorded on Wednesday, November 15th, 2023. Hello, and welcome back to Boxwood Banter, the show that supports and empowers women. I'm Taya Miller, the Women's Center graduate assistant, and we are located at Boxwood House across from Old Main. We are open from 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. Monday through Fridays. In today's episode, we will discuss gender differences in sports. We will also take a look at how women have paved the way for other women in sports. We will also have a guest appearance from our women's soccer team. Our guest today is Dana Larada. Hi, thank you for having me. I'm Dana Larada. I'm a psychology intern for the Women's Center. So here at the Women's Center, I provide resources to students through educational events and presentations that we have. We also hand out supplies and anything that people need. Um, I also work closely with Kutztown's chapter of It's On Us to help provide a comforting and safe, warm environment here on campus. After graduation, I'll be attending graduate school in hopes of becoming a forensic psychologist. Sounds great. Thank you for joining me today, Dana. Thank you for having me. So we are, we are going to be talking about women in sports and like what that looks like, um, good and bad. But to start, um, what female athletes were you aware of and did you play any sports growing in school? Yeah, so growing up, I when I was younger, I tried out a bunch of different sports, but my main sports growing up were lacrosse and cheerleading. Um, and I was also a competitive dancer. I don't know where that falls on the spectrum for some <laughs> people. But um, so a lot of female athletes I was aware of were the big, big names, Serena Williams, mm-hmm. um, Gabby Douglas, a lot of like Olympians in that way. Um, I feel like unless they prove themselves while everyone was watching, it wasn't really talked about yeah. other than that. Yeah. So, like, those big events. Mm-hmm. Myself, I did track growing up, and then I hung up my track shoes for cheerleading <laughs> shoes. And a lot of female athletes that I saw was Serena Williams. Like, my dad would take us to the U.S. Open. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, that was, like, super it's... awesome. I just never had an interest in playing tennis. Yeah. Like, that's not something I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. Um, but I knew she was huge in it, and Gabby Douglas was another one for me, yeah. which is crazy. Yeah. Um, and it's weird that I didn't really look up at the time to any women in, in track. Yeah. Like, I didn't even notice that there weren't – like, I had coaches that I looked up to that ran in college and stuff. But of course. But no fam- famous um, female athletes. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Especially – like, I knew, like – Paul Rabel is, like, a very famous lacrosse player. Like, I knew him, but it was, like, there was no girl for me to latch on to when yeah. I was younger. Yeah, and honestly, when you're young, seeing really is believing. Yeah. A lot of the opportunities and things that I want to do in my life now have come from me going into different spaces and seeing it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so that I know, oh, this is achievable. Yes. So as little girls, when we don't see that, um, sometimes we even take a completely different direction. Like, yeah. this isn't a space for me. Mm-hmm. Um, so when you were getting into sports, was that an easy opportunity for you? Um, yeah, I would say it was pretty, it was pretty out there. Like, oh, there was always like signups and different things. Always mm. like, I would say there was a lot of opportunities, but it was just a matter of actually being like treated the same way that there wasn't. I know like girls and guys lacrosse is very different in terms yes. of like contact. So like all of my friends growing up would be like, oh, well, like, Girls lacrosse isn't a real sport anyway. And, like, my brothers, like, everyone, my cousins, like, my guy cousins, they all played. Mm-hmm. And it was always a matter of, like, well, we're not playing the same sport, so 
and it was kind of just like okay well we are yeah. though but yeah. obviously it's going to be different rules so there was a lot of that mm. even though I was able to play but and definitely still a sport still needs skill yes to play it yes. I'm not about to pick up no packet <laughs> and try to do nothing with that yeah exactly there's still a lot of time and dedication that goes into it obviously mm-hmm. or even as a cheerleader you've always heard the oh well it's just cheer. It's You're just, just cheering on the sidelines. Like yeah. a lot of people don't know what competitive cheer is. Yes. Like our practice, we're not doing practicing cheers in practice. No, <laughs> we're not. That's not what that looks we're like. We're not trying to impress the football team. <laughs> right. Yeah. Like we we're there because we have an obligation, honestly. And we kind of have to be here if we want to be a sport. Yeah. If we really want to get into it. But yes. that's a whole other thing um, <laughs> for track. I noticed a difference when I tried to do it in high school. Okay. When um, I was on a rec team and traveling, I loved it. Like, mm-hmm. it was very diverse. Um, I didn't notice any biases. We had different coaches for different things. That's a normal thing. When I got yeah. to high school, it became who was the coolest so that now we're going to choose you to run. Oh. And, like, the guys always got chose first i'm like the girls gotta run against other girls why are you still choosing these guys to ride the bus because it was limited you couldn't (laughs) take the whole team okay so then it just started to become like that and i noticed i noticed little things like that and i didn't love it as much anymore yeah Yeah. it's hard when those types of things like ruin a sport for someone and not the sport itself yes and like that's a, a thing like There's so many gender and age differences when it comes to sports, especially with the visibility that we see, what the media is going to cover it, cover. And in many sports, women have like professional leagues, um, like the WNBA, which is basketball, Mm -hmm. NRL, which is ringette and CWHL, which is hockey. Um, But these leagues don't have much as much visibility as men's leagues like the NBA. Um, and that reason really is media coverage. Mm-hmm. I agree. I could scroll through my Instagram, TikTok, whatever right now and see about 10 different stats or some sort mm-hmm. of like game clips from basketball like a, season is starting up. Yeah, like from a men's sport and yes. not a single thing would be about a women's sport. A hundred percent. And like when I did research... It really just said, like, people really believe that women's sports are, like, less exciting. Like, that is what they think. But our perceptions really come from the media. How Mm -hmm. interesting and how exciting we think someone something is comes from what we see. Um, When there's a trend, it's because we're seeing it a lot. Yeah. Um, And if it's not trending, we're not seeing it, so it's not cool. Mm -hmm. And that's what, what happens in women's sports. So if men's leagues seem like they get more visibility they're going to seem like they have more value and be more exciting and they also have men also have higher production values higher quality coverage and higher quality commentary meaning like they're spending more money Mm -hmm. on these things to promote them and make them so much more intriguing yeah Mm -hmm. i've definitely seen it um like i said lacrosse girls is very much less contact even though it's still the same sport. And so a lot of people will be like, oh, well, that's the reason why men's lacrosse is so much bigger than girls. But then you take a game where basketball is like the same exact thing. It's just a difference of men versus women playing. Mm -hmm. And you see those same exact differences 
Even though it's the same game. Exactly. And I'll tell you why. When we watch women's um, sports games, there are fewer camera angles and fewer instant replays. Mm. So a lot of that downtime when they're walking back and forth where it seems slow, we're seeing that in a women's game. But for a men's game, that's when we get a replay. That's when the angle changes. Like They are putting more money into those types of resources to make the content Mm -hmm. seem more exciting rather than the playing itself. What I can say is I was a cheerleader and I cheered for both women's and men's basketball. And it really came down to what team had more skill that year, Mm -hmm. which game I felt was more exciting watching in person. And it just so happened that the women had a better, um, more, better stat, shout out KU women's basketball (laughs) team. (laughs) Um, They're awesome. And I just always enjoyed watching those games more, to be honest. Of course. So although women don't get as much coverage in things like the World Cup for soccer, yes, um, things have changed. There are a little bit more coverage for women, and there's a little bit more appreciation. This is due to worldwide views, not just views in North America, not just views in the United States, because mm-hmm. the whole world is watching. Yeah. That's, not, that's why we have more coverage. Um, But there are still challenges that women in sports are still facing in America today. Um, And one thing that I really want to talk about is the age. Yeah. And because we were talking about basketball, my boyfriend actually put me onto this. And I was like, (laughs) wait, that can't be true. And I was like, let me look this up. I'm not a basketball fanatic, but so I did some research. Yeah. And I found that for men in basketball, um, they have to go to college for two years or be two years out of high school in order to be in the league. Yeah. Compared to women, though, women have to complete a four-year degree or be 22 years old in order to go to the (laughs) WNBA. Yeah. And it literally, the written, I think I have it written here, NBA requirements. Players must be one year removed from college to enter the the draft. Actually, one year. Yeah. So it's less than two years. It's less than two years. The MB, the WNBA requires that college players turn 22 years old during the co- calendar year. I'm sorry. I'm going to repeat that. The WNBA requires that college players turn 22 years old during the calendar year of the draft or have completed a four-year degree. Yeah, that is just <laughs> wild. So let's think about it. Um, Basque for men. Graduating college, what, 21? Yeah. Two years in college would make them 20. So 20 to 21, you can go right to, to the, the league, yeah. to the NBA. For a woman, though, you have to at least, at least mm-hmm. be 22 years old. I, like, that blows my mind. Um, just because, like, women, when you're older, it's like you need to start doing things like have babies exactly. and things like that. You can't be a woman and in, in play sports yes. like that's not a thing but for men like they're allowed to now start earlier mm-hmm. and continue their career for longer exactly but we're starting women later and when you think about basketball you think about all the greatest players ever like LeBron mm-hmm. Kobe and they were always allowed to go right in from high school mm-hmm. so it's like there's an exception yeah but wow only they're for so great they have these crazy like I'm pretty sure LeBron just hit like like 20 years in the league or something recently. Yeah. And it's like, 
that's awesome and like congrats but mm-hmm. you we were also not given those opportunities to even achieve that because of how late we are being able to be put into the league we're not we're not seeing that and like my question then is like can women past 30 even have a sports a sports career yeah. in today's society like how is that even possible i start at 22 mm-hmm. and then by the time i'm like 30 or older i need to have kids yes and give my life to someone else so I have to stop my career it's like that's an eight-year career yeah like Like, what it's how could you possibly build up your name in eight years I mean obviously it's possible but in terms of like reaching all these goals that men have set Mm -hmm. and all these like career um (laughs) records I'm sorry (laughs) um especially for how many goals and like career records men have set in the league it's it would be nearly impossible for women to achieve that just in this limited amount of time considering injuries considering exactly. all these other things that could possibly happen within that time and even just to make it alone is hard enough mm-hmm. i'm going to point out a little bit of my bias here mm-hmm. i caught it um I've been watching the show called Basketball Wives. <laughs> it's a reality TV show, but like how reality is it, you know? Yeah. yeah. Um, and some of these women like have dated basketball players. Like they're not currently in a relationship or like just dated other like men that play sports. And like this one woman in particular, she also played basketball and she tells her story how she stopped playing. She played in college, stopped yeah. playing because her boyfriend also played and it was a decision she made, but she also got pregnant. Okay. And it was harder to get back into her career yeah. after having a kid. Mm-hmm. Like all the pressures that we put on women when they leave to have children. Yes. And now she's finally at the point where she's training again. But this is where my bias came in when I heard her say, oh, I want to get back into sports. And like now she's a, like a fun family woman. She yeah. has her kids. I, I found myself being like, like that's gonna be tough and I was like Taya well like why can't yeah she do that exactly why it's like she's put her life on pause for so long why can't she do that now Mm -hmm. and we should celebrate that and empower women to do that and not do the opposite you know yeah I thought that was crazy that is crazy because as you were explaining I felt the same way like I was like how is she how are you gonna go back now yeah like oh that's that's it's messed up yeah it is that we think like that mm mm-hmm yeah, it is. But at least we got to start acknowledging it mm-hmm. and start promoting mm-hmm. the empowerment. Yeah. Like the point of this and edu- like these educational things that we're talking about is never to downplay men in sports. Oh, it's yeah, just no. to shine a light on the women in sports and have everyone be like, wow, like this really is happening. Now I need I should be doing even more mm-hmm. to help these women in this yes. position because they're a marginalized group exactly and that's all that is mm-hmm. and like in sports like there's still this we've seen a lot of change with um which i will say there has been societal expectations of how women should act and portray themselves when they do play a sport for example players in all american girls professional basketball league were expected to maintain a feminine image off and on the field. They had to wear lipstick, they had to wear a skirt, and any short hairstyles weren't allowed. Yeah. And they weren't allowed to smoke, drink, or swear. Yeah. Um, and when I say there's a lot of change is from women that I've spoken to, and you can speak on this to the whole wear makeup, you can't have a short hairstyle, and skirt thing isn't really a yeah. thing anymore. Yeah, yeah. 
Um, however, the smoking, drinking, and swearing, like, act like a lady even if you're not yes, in uniform yeah. definitely is still a thing. Oh, 100%, yeah. Yeah. I was going to say, um, I know in high school, so when I played rec lacrosse, I was baggy shorts. Like, me and my brothers would literally share, like, <laughs> like my shorts were down to my ankles situation. And then I got to high school, and even maybe, like, eighth grade, they started, like, now we had to wear, like, a skirt, and that was our uniform, and, like, our jersey and yeah. skirts, our jersey and skirts, and I was, like, this is, like, kind of weird to play, like, like, I'm running as fast as I can, like, I don't yeah. need to be in a skirt, or even I know for, like, my cheer uniform, they made them so short that some of us would literally get dress coded at school, and I yeah. was, like, this is the uniform you provided me with, mm -hmm. and it's obviously those, like, like, uniforms are different, like, I feel like these rules are way different but it's yeah. definitely changed a lot and I think that people are able to portray themselves more of like being more masculine if they wanted to mm -hmm. in terms of that but I feel like there's still issues obviously yeah but it's definitely gotten a lot a lot better than yeah. it was and if you're a coach listening to this because like so much change has happened I really feel like it depends on, like, your coach and how yeah. things are run, like, what your school or whoever you're playing for, you know, mm -hmm. wants you to look. Because one thing I can say is um, for our basketball team, anytime they did have an away game when I was in school, um, in high school and in junior high, honestly, mm -hmm. anytime there was an away game, they had to come to school dressed up. Yeah. Like, uh, slacks, even a dress jacket, like, mm -hmm. everything. Um you had to look nice, clean shaven and stuff like that. Yes. So if your coach was stern on that, great. Like it yeah. should work both ways. And that was for women's and men's basketball oh, team. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, and I do find that, especially being like a cheerleader, even if we had like a game or something or an event that day, even if it's not happening at that hour, you still have to look. Oh, yeah. Like the part, like you need to make sure you have makeup. That yes. again is a part of uniform. But I would also just say, if you are coaching men and you don't think that they should look put together when they have a game day, mm -hmm. wh like what, where's that bias coming from? Yeah, you know, that's I what I would that. say. I still see that, but mo mostly it has been changing for that. Yes. For on the terms of appearance. Yeah. I definitely think like makeup wise and like hairstyle wise, mm -hmm. it's definitely lessened, but dressing itself mm -hmm. is still a little iffy. Yeah. I'm not like, I should know more about gymnastics, but I'm not, I don't know a lot about men's gymnastics. Yeah. And I don't know, I know like that is in a ballet. Those are um, areas where like your bra strap can't be shown. Yeah. If you have like an underwear line, that's oh, a huge issue. Yeah. I don't know if that's the same way for men um, yeah. in gymnastics. So if you're listening right now, you're probably like, I want to talk about this right now. <laughs> but I need to do some research on that because I'm sure there are biases yeah. within gymnastics. 100%. Yeah. And women have made so much progress. Um, there have been so many women in sports that have opened the doors for others, um, especially in spaces where they haven't been allowed before. Mm -hmm. um, in sports that we see are identical to men's sports, like basketball, men's ba basketball and men's soccer, yeah. they're pretty much like identical to women's basketball and women's soccer. Yeah. And when we compare like sports that look the same, they just don't get as much coverage, not as much highlights. They claim there's different strengths, but um, there are sports that 
women have different strengths for like tennis mm-hmm. and I, there's more mm-hmm. <laughs> tennis, gymnastics, ice skating. Um, those have be- become really popular um, for women's sports. So it's nice that we have that to highlight. Yes. I was going to say, even when you asked me like what athletes, uh, women athletes I grew up like knowing, it was always a sport that like it was women dominated and it was never like, Oh yeah, like this amazing female basketball player. Exactly. Like, you no, know, it was LeBron. It was all these people. But mm-hmm. like once it comes to gymnastics, like figure skating, then I was like, yeah, like I can name a few. A hundred percent. Like now that like even like the ice skating, I'm completely not going to remember the name for this. But <laughs> um, what was her name? The ice skater. We had like even had a movie for Tanya her. Harding. Possibly, possibly. She got like her. Like, someone hurt her on purpose. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Tanya Harding. Even, like, that, like, that's where women are allowed to get their own movies. Yes. But, like, if it's basketball, it's, like, the men exactly. are going to get their movie yeah. first kind of thing. Yeah. For sure. For sure, for sure. Um, so we do want to highlight some of the solo things that women have done to pave the way for women in mm-hmm. sports. Starting with Lisa Leslie. She dunked in a WNBA game in 2002 and dunked. Like, the first woman to dunk is crazy. Like, girls can't dunk. They don't have the same athletic ability as these guys do for basketball. Um, Put the rim higher, like, Mm -hmm. that kind of thing. Once she dunked, they probably were like, what? (laughs) So, Leslie, Lisa Leslie just proved that girls can play just as hard as guys in 2002. And then we also have Katherine Switzer, who became the first woman to complete the Boston Marathon that was limited to men at the time um, as a registered runner in 1967. She literally wore full sweats in an effort to go unnoticed and not be seen. And at one point during the 26.2 miles, a race official spotted her and tried to pull off her bib, which is like the number that they wear and tried to pretty much take her out of the race. So then her boyfriend stood up for her and tried to push him away so that she could finish the race. And the moment was actually photographed, and it's like a big picture in history. So, Taya, if you want to describe the picture that you see. Yeah, like this picture, all of the guys are wearing shorts. Her little self, (laughs) wearing number 261, is like literally in a hoodie and sweat and she's running in front of a group of guys and there's like three of them behind her literally pushing her like trying to push her off the road and and grab her and i assume one of these probably is one of her boyfriends yeah but it's such like an aggressive picture like she's clearly in distress all yes. the guys are so mad like a girl is in front of them <laughs> it's crazy <laughs> it is crazy yeah But so as a result of this run, um, which she was 20 at the time, she completed the Boston Marathon in four hours and 20 seconds, which is insane, honestly. 26 miles? Yeah, like like, that's crazy. But so the Amateur Athletic Union banned women from competing in races against men until 1972 as a direct result of her running. Yeah, that's crazy. After that. They decided, you know what, we should have these races separate. Yeah. <laughs> because to have her time be above other people is It was like, just unfathomable. And I'm sure they probably made the decision to seeing the reaction from people, like, oh maybe we should yeah. have separate. But like that shouldn't even What? Yeah, that should not have been how it went down. But anyways. <laughs> 
So then in a 2018 interview with People, Switzer looked back on the day and she carved her name into the women's sports history. And so she also has a quote here, sometimes the worst things in your life become the best things. When the angry official attacked me in that first race, it was a frightening, humiliating moment, she said. But it was also radicalizing. It made me realize that people didn't believe in women's capabilities. So I was determined to finish the race no matter what, even on my hands and knees if I had to, to prove women can do it. I know that's right. Yeah, that is like the most... Go, Catherine. To run a marathon alone is just... It's honestly one of my personal goals in life. Like, I would love to be able to... I would never (laughs) stop talking about it. (laughs) But... Huge accomplishment. Yeah, like, all huge. So the fact that she had to do that on top Mm -hmm. of all of everything else is just, like, remarkable. You're like, I just want to finish. And, like, we don't even know. I'm sure we could find that somewhere. But, like, how like, deep into the race that happened. Was it in the beginning? Like, was it one hour in? You know, like, that has a bunch to do with it. So she's super strong Mm -hmm. for completing that race. Yeah, that's a good point. It literally could have been in the first mile. Mm -hmm. And she still went and completed all of it. Yeah. She said, that's not going to stop me. No. I should. (laughs) And then we also have Florence Griffith Joyner. Excuse me. We have Florence Griffith Joyner, also known as Flojo. Um, she is recognized as the fastest woman in the world. Uh, she won three gold medals in track and field. Wow. And a lot of people have a lot to say about her time and mm-hmm. whether or not someone really beat it or not. No, she's definitely she- still the fastest <laughs> woman in the world. Yes. Um, in 1988 Olympics, she set the world record for both the 100 and 200 meter dashes. Wow. Flo Joe's 10.62 second sprint for the 100 meter oh. event remained an Olympic record for over 33 years. Oh, my gosh. Yes, until a Jamaican runner, Elaine Thompson, um, Hera beat it by one hundredth of a second <laughs> in 2021. This is recently. Oh, my gosh. Elaine's score was 10.54 seconds. People were like, well, technically, if she beat it in the Olympics, is she the fastest? Still no, because... Even beyond the Olympics, Flojo still holds the world record record for 100 meter run. Yeah, because she ran a 10.42. Mm-hmm. Um, at age, oh, she actually died at age 38. I'm gonna say that again. Beyond the Olympics, Flojo ran a 10.42 second 100 meter oh, run. Okay, um, so she still holds the world record for the fastest woman. Wow. She ends up dying at age 38. Unfortunately, after she suffered a seizure, a seizure in her sleep. Mm. Um, but there's a bunch of women that look up to her and yes. really strive to be just as fast as her. So many women are close behind her with a record uh, time of 10.65, like Shakiri Richardson, who mm-hmm. we've been seeing a lot from. Yeah. And Marianne Jones, who like I wish like maybe because I like technology has changed a lot. But I feel like if I saw these women, and like I'm like, how didn't I know a Flojo when I was younger? I like, why didn't I know? Because yes. if I now I see pictures of her, and I'm like, oh, the the one leg, like that's probably where it yeah. came from. I remember when I ran track, people would have like the one mm-hmm. legging long, the one short, yeah. And but I just didn't see her. like it clearly wasn't enough for no. me, a young girl who doesn't have a phone, yeah. you know, to pop up on a tv screen or at school yes. or something like mm-hmm. what and a colored woman at that yes, like yeah i just i can't believe it yeah i couldn't believe it but like if i definitely saw women like that i don't think i would have stopped running track mm-hmm. i probably would not and it's like i feel like 
all like boys in middle school would dress like their favorite athlete and like mm-hmm. wear like whatever special headband they wore, like whatever, exactly. like or like the gloves, like anything. Like they would always copy their favorite, mm-hmm. but it's like we didn't have. And I'm wearing my dad's Derek Derek yeah. Jeter <laughs> yeah. jersey because that's the only thing I got. Like, yeah, it's kind of messed up. We definitely need more out there like we it needs to be thrown in your face because it's not yeah I was gonna say it needs to be more accessible yes every 10 channels I clicked through when I was younger could have easily covered any athlete Mm -hmm. but it was always male athlete yeah and we have so many yes yes but changes in the world came through title nine we now have title nine in our world which Mm -hmm. helps with discrimination um it actually became the landmark of gender equity um, it was a law passed as part of the Education Amendments of 1972. It bans sex discrimination in federally funded education programs. So it basically makes it where if you discriminate, you can't get funding from the, the yeah. um, state or the government. Mm-hmm. And also you can get fined a lot of, <laughs> a lot of money if you get caught doing it as well. So this just allowed women to have equal access um, and be treated equally in different spaces, not just sports. Mm-hmm. But we did see a huge increase in sports. But in different areas like teaching, administration oh, okay. was a big one and other areas. Yeah. But for sports, the big difference was before we had Title IX, one in 27 women were in a sport. Wow. After, 29, after Title IX... It went from one in five women in sports. So, like, crazy, crazy, crazy um, Mm -hmm. the amount of women that we have playing sports now because they feel like they're protected behind this wall, too. And I remember hearing Title IX for the first time and hearing that it was only passed in 1972. And, like, personally, like, my mom was almost 10 by then. And so I was thinking back to when I was, like, 10, and how many sports I had already played or, like, at least tried out. Mm-hmm. So it's, like, crazy to me to think that, like, she even grew up in a time where, like, that was not even yep. an option. Yep. Yeah, my mom, too. Like, I don't know. I think she ran track as well, but not yeah. as much. Like, I actually got into sports because my teacher recommended it. Oh, Like, it wasn't even, like... We used to have, like, this field day thing. Oh, yeah. And I'm like, you want me to run around this field 100 times for a stick (laughs) each time? You got it. (laughs) And I loved running. Like, I just – and she'd be like, do you run track? I'm like, no. And she's like, I'm going to talk to your mom. And, like, said – my mom should put me in track. My mom put my siblings in track and stuff. So that's kind of where it started. It didn't really start in my family. Like, my dad played sports, but it wasn't, like, embedded in us. (laughs) And because we do go to Kutztown, I do want to um, spread some awareness about what happens in, like, Kutztown sports. So mm-hmm. we are going to have um, an interview from our women's soccer team in just a few minutes. But um, I just wanted to talk about, like, we have so many other women's sports here, like field hockey. Mm-hmm. We do have dance teams here. We have our soccer team. Yes. I'm like, am I missing anyone? Do we have a swim team? We probably do. I think so, yeah. <laughs> so team. And we literally are trying to do our hardest, our best at the Women's Center to spread more awareness for our women in sports because those women don't really get, like, 
discounts how the football team gets yeah. when we win yeah. and things like that or even get a post that they have a game and they can have an undefeated season as well mm -hmm. so everyone there shout out to our field hockey team and shout out to our women's soccer team for making it this far and having such a successful season you guys rock <laughs> <laughs> well we discussed a lot dana thank you for joining me today um we talked about a lot thank you it was my <laughs> pleasure thanks for having me yeah and now we have a wonderful women's soccer player here with us that we'll interview. They had an amazing season, which we'll hear about. Her name is Isabella Rossetti. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Hi, I'm Isabella Rossetti. I'm a senior this year. Um, I'm a bio-allied health major, and I'm super excited to be here and talk about how our season's been going. So thank you for having me. Yeah. I'm excited that you're here. Thank you for taking some time out. So how has your successful season been, and how did your team make it to this point? Um, I think what makes us get to this point every year, I mean, we've made it to the NCAA tournament three consecutive years now, which is really hard to do mm -hmm. for a soccer season. Mm -hmm. because we have two games a week. It's, it's a lot on us. It's very intense. And this year even, like, there were teams that normally don't, win a lot of games who were taking out teams who are a lot higher ranked and stuff like that so um, I think for us it's we pride ourselves in being accountable for our mistakes and we point that out to each other mm -hmm. all the time where it's a sense of the mentality where we're in this together as a family and that being accountable for that is okay we don't need to be like soft with each other like we're one of those teams who really is like pointing out things to each other constructive and, criticism yeah. yeah and it's not taken in a defensive type of way mm -hmm. we learn from it and that's ultimately how we grow every year um and it's also we have the mentality that this is bigger than any of any of us exactly. it's like this program is bigger than our coaches bigger than us individually like everything that we've been fighting to accomplish we put ourselves in a position during the regular season to get to this point every year. Mm -hmm. And it's more of just, we got to get, get the job done on the day. Um, which I think it's been a struggle for us a lot, but, um, but we've, I think we're making strides. And I really feel great about this group this year. We're really special. So, yeah, I was going to say your coach definitely had something to do with that mindset that you guys have. Yeah. He, I mean, all our coaches, but um, our head coach, he is always talking about it's about on the day that the better team doesn't always win. Like, winning isn't loyal to you. Mm -hmm. No matter what you've done in the regular season, once you get to the postseason, it's completely different. You're fighting for everything. You have to leave everything on the field. And, I mean, speaking from our PSAC game, that was our first loss in the whole for the whole year, which is insane to think about. Um, but when it comes to that, he's, it's more of our mistakes are going to be what costs us a game. It's not going to be something that another team creates against us because we're one of those teams. I honestly think we're the best team in the PSAC. Yeah. And when it comes to that, like it just hasn't <laughs> no, happened that's for us. Right. But I mean, our, our biggest goal when it comes to that is, you know, winning 
winning the PSAC, but I think mm-hmm. we have an even bigger opportunity to do something in the NCAA tournament if we make a run. So. Yeah. yeah, yeah, you're throwing these titles around. I want you to show off a little bit. Tell us how great that preseason was, postseason, how that's going. So tell us your stats. Oh, well, personally, um, my stats, I've been – I've been more in a defensive – I started off in a defensive role this year, which is different for me. But, again, anything, um, especially as a captain, too, for me, it's anything that I can sacrifice in order for the greater good of the team. Like, if that's what's going to help us the most and somebody else can be mm-hmm. in that role and do just the same job we have. An amazing freshman this year. Kate, she's insane. Lexi's been – doing amazing. We have great people in the back line. Bridget and Sky leading us. Dana. Like, I could go on forever mm-hmm. about, like, who's helping us the most. But um, uh, this year I got have two goals, but we're doing, I think, as a group, like, in moving forward, we kind of just take it as we go. And um, we were regular season champs mm-hmm. for Second time in three years. Um, first undefeated regular season, which is awesome. That's crazy. So it's, Congratulations. It's, thank you so much. It's little it's little victories that ultimately that's kind of just like the standard. Like we just we just do that as an everyday type of thing. Like that's kind of how our mentality is towards it. But when it comes to a bigger goal, it is really like getting a ring, getting a yeah. title. Like, yeah. that's that's the main goal for everybody who's gone through this program, who's deserved it and just struggled through blood, sweat, and tears, really, mm-hmm. for everything. So, And you guys um, have more PSAC championship games, correct? Um, so we – the PSAC championship finished. So okay. So Westchester ended up winning, unfortunately, on our field, <laughs> um, which stung a bit. But um, – but yeah, I mean they're they're one of our rivals. So if we end up seeing them again, we obviously have to get a job done on uh, Friday. We play at home at six against Concord. So okay. And um, what championship is this? This is the NCAA tournament. Now, okay. So it's much bigger. So, um, winning on Friday and Sunday, mm-hmm. then we would um, be competing for the Atlantic Regional Final. So that we would get something for, which you know that's the first step. But I really think like. With the group that we have this year, it's so special, and I think we could go even further than that. Mm-hmm. So, what time is your game on Friday? It's at six. Okay. So, yeah, but I mean, I'm just super excited. I think like we were all very gutted losing um, in that semifinal mm-hmm. the other week because it's really like it's a different feeling, especially for me. I've I've been here since the team that went like 17 and one practically like the whole season. And um, obviously we didn't do anything really remarkable in the postseason. We got out in both the quarterfinal games. So I just think like even getting past that was like a step in the right direction for us. And we haven't been able to do that in a long time. And I just Mm -hmm. think like, just for everybody who's been to this program, if we can do that, it would be amazing. And we, mm-hmm. we deserve it, but it isn't, it isn't about, like, who deserves it, really. It's, it's not about the better team. It's about who shows up on the day and executes. Right. And our, coach, our coaches always give us a plan, and that's how he helps us the most is just 
giving us a plan, scouting for endless hours, endless hours. We don't even know the full extent mm-hmm. of it. Um, and just really giving us like a plan that we need to execute and it's whether or not we do that. And we haven't really had many issues with that. I think it's more, more comes down to the smaller teams that we've struggled because it's harder to get up for those games. But, um, but yeah. Yeah. You've had a successful season and after that loss, how is the team's energy right now going into the Um, next championship? The energy right now is super excited and super, um, I would say, more so just not taking anything for granted now is you don't, you're you're not guaranteed another game. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think we went into the semifinal against Gannon thinking like, oh, like this is really the year, but you can't even think about that. You have to think about every game. And I think it really is just, not taking a moment for granted that you get to play on the field, that you get to be with your your family, your teammates, and just cherishing it because you don't know like what next year is going to bring, where you're going to end up, um, and obviously like injuries too. Like I had a smaller injury probably like about a month ago now, um, and like that's something that we have a captain now who tore ACL over the summer, um, mm. lost her whole senior season. There's another girl, Johnson Fowler, who tore ACL for the second time in a preseason game, and it's you really just it's those moments up in perspective how much you can't take for granted mm-hmm. because now it's it's do or die basically. Mm-hmm. And get, you're also playing for each other too. Oh, hundred percent. We what we see when we play other teams is that they aren't family oriented. We are a hundred percent a family, and I honestly don't think we get as far as we do without that type of connection with each mm-hmm. other. So I mean that's a huge field to be running yeah. across. It, the communication has to be there. Yeah, it's it really comes down to and and the amount of players too this year who have stepped up to a new role who maybe haven't seen the playing time that they they've wanted to has been amazing. Like we've had a lot of people step up into a really important role especially in moments where people get injured unexpectedly. unexpectedly. So um, it really is like everybody is locked into something and know that they have to be prepared for when their opportunity mm-hmm. comes because it's affecting everybody on the field. So yeah. Stay ready so you don't got to yeah. get ready. Exactly. <laughs> yes. Exactly. And um, our women's soccer team is actually the only soccer team at Kutztown, yes. so we don't have a men's yeah, soccer there, team. There used to be um, – uh, official men's team, which I actually found out the other day during the NCAA viewing that we had with the team, um, that our coach actually used to coach them, I think, right before it, right before it completely yeah. just became a club wow. team and they canceled the program. But, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, I mean, I think that's the other thing, too, is, like, we're, we have a little bit more spotlight in the sense yeah, of that. Say. So is that does that allow you guys to be seen more? Do you guys feel like you get a lot of representation? I think we've definitely, honestly, in years past, I feel like we didn't get the recognition um, in some senses that we deserved just over, like, other teams who I feel like, I mean, obviously, like, football, that's a huge thing just, mm-hmm. like, amongst the whole campus. Like, everybody, <laughs> everybody really 
like shows up. In I mean, games. you guys are undefeated, yeah. though. <laughs> I, I mean, I'm I'm always open to talking up my team because yes. it, it's two games, two games a week. Like the intensity of all these teams, they're, they were so good this year. Like Mansfield, who normally like doesn't have a great record, like they were like beat, beating teams that you wouldn't expect. Like. Millersville didn't have a great season. They beat Westchester. Like you, you can't expect anything. You yep. can't expect to win a game. Like if you don't show up for it, and that's basically what I mean. That's basically the definition of the PSAC. But um, but yeah, I think this year especially we've gotten more recognition. I feel like mm-hmm. than ever before, which is deserved. So. And you're all women in college as well, focusing on school. (laughs) Like, that's a whole other thing on top of that. Because being, especially being a bio-allied health major, it's uh, labs all the time. This is the first Mm -hmm. semester that I've actually, I've only had one lab, and it's a little bit um, less stressful. And that's was on purpose, so I could really, like, focus on the season. And I think it's paying off. I mean, obviously, like, your goal can change every year, and... Um, I think what everyone has sacrificed and whatever role they're put in has been what has gotten us this far. So, mm-hmm. I mean, it's stressful, but I think we all manage it really well. And coach also gives us, we have fun practices and just like laid back days. We have, he, he always is trying to look to do things to help us, especially at this point in the season when we may be getting mentally drained and just need a break. He's like, oh, if we need an off day here and there, like, sure, like, let's do that. Whatever is going to help us stay locked in in the moments like that. that we need to be ready. Mm-hmm. So. Especially as women, um, having, you know, a whole cycle that lasts 28 days and that's fluctuating. Mm-hmm. Or do you guys get support with that? Um, yeah, we have, well, now we have a woman's coach. Okay. Uh, coach Maddie, she, um, she focuses on, like, the goalie training, but she's, I mean, she's always there for us in a different sense that mm-hmm. we... I think didn't have before with having all men's coaches. Right. Um, but I think she's, she has a background in um, psychology. So she's very good with um, the mental side of things mm-hmm. and making sure like mental health wise, like we're okay. Like if we're struggling in other areas, like obviously all of our coaches are there for us, but she has like that background, which I think is really important. Um, and even with, like, stretching, just, like, physical, like, yeah. keeping our bodies physically yeah. well, because that's super important. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think that's as important as the mental aspect, but um, it plays a huge role in being ready for those games. So, I mm-hmm. yeah, our coaching staff does a great job. Mm-hmm. And then we have Coach Rob, who does all our statistics and stuff like that. So When your coaches do their job, it makes it easier oh, for the yeah. players to do their job. 100%. And that's that's never been an issue. Like mm-hmm. they, they put so much into this program. Like we can't even begin to like understand it. And, and it's showing. Yeah, it it's does. Showing. And it's every year they try to be better for us and we try to be better for them and just ourselves because mm-hmm. we know we can accomplish something great. So why not this year? I've been here for like going on six years because I did undergrad yeah. here and I'm a graduate. Um, and I've always seen the soccer team be so amazing yeah. every single year, and it just keeps elevating. It's insane. Yeah, I really just think it's a testament to, like, just us working together, like, with 
the coaching staff. Like it, it wouldn't happen with one or the other, but it's it's really just we have the we have all the parts this year to like really get it done. And I think and can't. I, I believed it in past years. I really did, but I think like this year it's just there's something different. Like we just have a mentality to even in games where we were down down a goal before we would come back and win a game. Like it's it's things that I like wouldn't expect us to be able to mm-hmm. do. Um, but it's a mentality and it's really exciting to see. So yeah. well congratulations again Thank on you your so successful much. season. Do you want to shout out your games for this weekend again? Um so we play Concord at six at home. Um, so make sure to show up to Keystone Field and support us. Um, that would be awesome. It's going to be a great game, great environment. Um, and then if you win that, we play on Sunday. So Ooh, well, very exciting. Um, good luck. Thank you so much. Take care of your body, everyone, mm-hmm. <laughs> and stretch. We're looking forward to seeing that game. The Kutztown University Women's Center strives to create a campus culture that supports gender equity and inclusion. Through our cultural and educational resource library and events, advocacy, prevention initiatives, and leadership opportunities, we are committed to fostering an environment that is safe, supportive, and empowering for all community members.